almost certain that the way the Lord has been dealing with me, that there's more here than we'll get to this morning. So you're probably going to get this multiple times in some way, shape, or form if the Holy Ghost keeps us in this vein. But there's something that's happening here with me and the Word that the Lord's doing. And So the book of Acts, chapter number 17. The book of Acts 17. Starting with verse 16. I want us to see... I want us to pay attention because what we're going to see right here at the outset is context and setting. So we're going to get a picture of where we're at in these first couple of verses we read. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. Why was his spirit stirred in him? Because he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore, he disputed in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Verse 18. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Others some, He seems to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. Verse 19. And they took him and they brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. Now notice, they weren't really interested in what he had to say in terms of a response to the Lord Jesus at first. They just thought, this is interesting. Why don't you come talk to us? This is, we'd like to listen to you talk, hear what you got to say. How do we know this? Because watch the next verse. 20. For you bring certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. Now we get a real indicator of why. Verse 21. For all the Athenians and the strangers which were there, watch, they spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. I want you to hold. Don't don't shut your Bible because we're going to come back here in a few minutes. But I want us to pause right there and I want us to get a picture of this setting because we use all this King James English. and It's like, okay, I think I heard what I heard, but what, what, what are you telling us here? So Paul's in Athens, Greece. And while he's there, he's in the presence of the Lord. He's with God. He's not in a church service. But wherever he is, he's in the presence of God. You understand, you can be in the presence of God wherever you go. And there he is in the presence. And he sees the city, the Bible says, we read in verse 16, wholly given to idolatry. What's interesting about that word, Wholly given to idolatry. In plain English, it literally translates from the Greek to their whole being was full of idols. Their whole being was full of idols. Changes a little bit when you say it that way, doesn't it? Because when we read it in the King James English, they were wholly given to idolatry. Oh, man, they must have had like little gold gods over here and little carved wooden gods over here and little altars and buildings over here and candles with people's faces on them over here. And and they had all these idols that they were all given to idolatry. Well, that may have been true. They probably had some of that going on, too. Some of those figurative idols like that that they could sit in their homes or sit in their places of business. But the way it reads, their whole being was full of idols. 
hold that thought because I want you to see the other thing about him that we read there in verse number 21. Not only were they, his spirit was moved in. What does that mean? It means something in Paul was stirred up when he saw that. It troubled his spirit. Knowing God as he knew him, he couldn't just sit there and see that and be silent. He was troubled. You ever have something just sort of troubling your spirit and you're biting your tongue? That's what's happening to Paul. It's the spirit of God, not his human emotion. It's the spirit of God within him that's stirred when he sees the city in this condition. Their whole being is full of idols. So he begins to talk to them about Jesus and the resurrection, trying to show them there's something better than what your being's full of. Well, they hear it. They're hearing with their intellect. You got it? They're hearing with... This is interesting. Hmm. I mean, I don't know what to say, but right, there are, like, there are probably some professors among them, I don't know. Oh, this is it. Tell us more. Talk to us. Wow, this is cool. Tell me about this. Jesus, he was a man. Oh, uh, tell me more about him. And, and, and you're saying he was dead, but he came back. To, that's quite interesting. Yeah, tell Right, you, you see in that you get in the picture. I mean, I don't know what it sounded like, but I want us to understand. They were listening with their intellect. There wasn't faith in their hearts that was responding to what Paul was saying. Because their context was, they just wanted to hear or tell something new. This is a strange thing. And see, we have to be careful when we come and we begin to read the Word of God or we hear the Word of God. That we're not just going, oh, well, that's interesting. Oh, look, this is neat. Look what this. And we're processing with our intellect. We need to learn to hear the Word of God with our spirit. If we just hear with our intellect, it never comes alive. But if we let the living Word of God get in our spirit... All of a sudden, his word is spirit and it's life. So their whole being's full of idols. And they spent their... Now, you notice what the word said. They spent their time in nothing else. That's a strong statement, isn't it? It's like all they did was they wanted to see something new, hear something new, or they wanted to be able to tell something new. You might think this is funny, but I think when I share it, you realize it's not a stretch. As I was praying and reading these scriptures again for how, I don't know how many times in the last few days, I thought, oh my God, my Lord and my God, this sounds like us in our world today. Where people's whole being is full of idols. Oh, you don't think so? Why is it the world is so enamored with sports stars and celebrities and Hollywood and musical artists and brands and fashions and cars and things and stuff and What is it? Their whole being is full of idols. Not wholly given to. It means wholly given to. We say, oh, I'm not given to idolatry. I I don't have any statues in my house. No, No, that's not what Paul was stirred by. Their being, their existing was given. It was full of idols. Social influencers. 
Uh-oh, got a little close to home quick, didn't it? It was a lot better when it was back in Paul and they were in Athens. We just came to Selah. But you understand, their whole being was full of idols. And we can see it in our world today. And it creeps into the church. It creeps into our lives and we don't even realize it. We start giving room here and giving room there. Watch. And they spend all their time in nothing else. To tell some new thing or to hear some new thing. Do you know or understand why Facebook and Instagram and Twitter are so popular? I want to hear some new thing. I want to see some new thing. I want to tell some new thing. Why is it you pick up your phone and look at Instagram and then 30 minutes later you pick it up and refresh and look again? Why is it you go to Facebook 23 times a day? I don't have Facebook. I don't, but 50 times a day, 100 times a day. You ever look at how many times you pick up your phone? You know, there's a notification that tells you how many times you pick up your phone in a day. When it used to hang on the wall, I didn't pick it up more than five times a day, if that. Their whole being is full of idols. And so what is, see, we can read that and go, man, I, man, I can't even imagine. You can imagine. The same spirit is in our world today. I want to see something new. I want to hear something new. I get my being. My being is fulfilled. By some new thing, hearing something, seeing something. I pray with me for just a minute. Well, this is important. The Lord wants to help us. Would you pray with me just a minute? Ask him to do so. Lord, we need you. You're wanting to take us somewhere. You're desiring to lead us to a place. And we want to go where you're leading us, Lord. You're equipping the church to use us in this last hour. And we want to be used of you. So help us to hear and understand, I pray. In Jesus' name. I have a question. Don't answer the question to me and don't raise your hand. Don't even, just try to look like you're just blank walled for just a few seconds. Why would anyone care at all what a Kardashian does during the day? Now, look, you, you guys are doing a great job of, like, looking like blank face, some of you. Some of you are trying to go, like, I don't even know what a Kardashian is. <laughs> Whatever. But, no, honestly, like, let's, let's pause and think about this for a second. Why would, especially, why would a child of God even care? Why? Why would we care? Why would we care that celebrity A hooked up with celebrity B? Why does that even matter? I'll tell you why. Someone's whole being is full of idols. 
their being, where they derive value in being, comes from idols. I hear all you men going, yeah, I don't care about the Kardashians. Okay, why do men care so much about why their football team scored X number of points or not and whether they're going to, why, why, why did it? Why would a man slam his fist on a table and be upset when his team's winning field goal got blocked? Or ladies, I'm not trying to be chauvinistic here. I know men and ladies all like, what's happening there? Look, I enjoy sports. You understand? But where I get my being from can't be derived from the things of this world. And this is where Athens was. And this is why Paul's spirit was provoked. Their whole being. Their being, we'll talk more about that word in a second. Their being was full of idols. Their sense of self came from idols. Why is it we have teenagers battling depression at such an early age? I'll tell you why. Their being is wrapped up in a false idea. They see celebrities that aren't living real lives. They see social influencers that they think that's real life, but it's not. And their being is wrapped up in idols. And so they've deceived by the God of this world. And they go, my life's not like that. What's and that's, their, that's not your being. That's not theirs either. They're living a lie. The whole world, the whole being is full of idols. And the adversary's using it just like he did in Athens Day. And something in my spirit, I believe, like was in balls, was stirred. The Spirit of God is stirred when He sees the condition of our world wholly given to idols. And God forbid it would be so in the church. God forbid as a child of God that would become my lifestyle, my giving, my living, my being. I should find an altar if it's in any case true and repent before God and say, God, turn my heart. Turn my spirit. Forgive me, forgive me. It's why John closed out his letter. It would seem crazy. He's talking all about the love of God and the oneness of God. And then John closes out one of his three letters by saying, Make no room. Give no place to idols. See, we think we don't have idolatry, but we do. It's in the form of sports figures and musical artists and celebrities and social influencers. It's all of those things that begin to shape us and cause us to think a certain way and feel a certain way and be a certain way and act a certain way. What is it? My being's full of idols. And we see how that stirred Paul's spirit. Now watch. We're not going to stay on that all morning, but I need you to understand context where they were when Paul began to speak what we're going to read now. Verse 22. So he'd seen and heard enough and dealt with enough. Verse 22, watch what he says. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill. And he said, you men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. Not in some things, in all things. That word superstitious there, you know what it means? Religious. The literal Greek word there is religious. In all things you are too religious. Now see, we hear the word religious and we automatically think, oh, religious church. Well, partly true, yes. But this is not a good word. This is a bad word. Religion's not a good word in this context. 
Religion is anything you give yourself to faithfully, consistently. There are people that, you understand this, there are people that will build their schedule and their weekend around their teams if they're playing or not. That's called religious. You understand? That's religious. Paul said to them, in all things, you're too religious. You find something you want to follow after and you just give yourself wholly to it. Watch. Verse 23. For as I passed by and behold your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription. To the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him I declare to you. Do you know, I've never seen this before. Do you know why he was an unknown God? Because their whole being was full of idols. Does that make sense? They had so many other things they were worshiping. So many other things they were giving time, energy, effort, and attention and their thoughts to. That they didn't know God. Paul said, I'm declaring him to you. Verse 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he's Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. Aren't you thankful for that? He dwells in hearts, if we'll allow him. Verse 25. Neither is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing that he gives to all, watch, he gives to all life and breath and all things. And he's made of one blood all nations of men, To dwell on all the face of the earth. Why is he doing this? Why is he giving life and breath and all things and one bloods for all nations? Here's why. And he watch. He has determined the times before appointed. We can skip right over that, but that's important. He has determined the times before appointed. We are coming. We have entered into a time right now in in the state of the world and God's plan to use the church. We have entered into that time right now, and it's before appointed of God. And so we better decide, is my whole being going to be full of idols, or am I going to know God? He's determined the time before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Why has he done all this? Verse 27 tells us why. That they should seek the Lord. Why is it that a soul is never satisfied if their team always wins or their celebrity does all the right stuff or their weeks go perfect without end for a while? Why is it the soul is never satisfied? Because the only way the soul is ever satisfied is when it seeks the Lord. That's why what you feel here this morning as we begin to worship, it's like this, yes, this, this is what I desire. This, why is it that when I'm in the presence of God, it seems like all of troubles, they're still there, but it seems like I can navigate life if this was how I, what is it? I'll tell you what it is. You for a moment, I for a moment, we gave ourselves to seeking the Lord. And in the seeking of the Lord, his presence began to minister to our life. And we come to him. What's he doing? He's trying to show you. I don't dwell on all that other stuff. 
I don't dwell. You know, we read temples made with hands and we think just of church buildings. That's not just what Paul was saying. He doesn't dwell in tabernacles that men build to edifices built for entertainment, edifices built for worship, edifices built. He doesn't dwell in natural things. He dwells in the hearts of men. And he does this because he's wanting men and women to seek him. To seek him. Why? If you'll seek him, you might feel after him. And not only will you feel that, you'll find him. And when you find him, you'll realize he hasn't been far from any one of you. That's what Paul was declaring to the Athenians. You're reaching, you're looking, you're trying to know something new. You're giving to idols and all these things. I want you to know there's a living God. You call him the unknown God. I saw it written on the altar when I passed by. But you need to know he's the living God. And if you'll reach after him, if you'll give that attention and energy you're giving to so many other things, if you'll give it to seeking after him, you'll find him. You'll find him. You'll find him. You'll find him. You understand he's not hiding from anyone. We're just not looking. We're just not looking for him. We're giving our time to looking for other things. We're giving our time to seeking other things, pursuing other interests. I understand we have a life to live. We have jobs to do. I get that. But you understand we can live and walk in the spirit. Seeking Him, seeking His will, seeking His face. What's your purpose in this day, Lord? What's your purpose with this interaction with my coworker? What's your purpose with this interaction when I'm sitting in this restaurant and there's people around? What's your purpose? What's your... Seeking Him, seeking Him, my heart, my spirit. What happens if I'm wholly given to Him instead of being wholly given to idols? Now, Verse 27, notice, rule of English, it ends with a colon. They should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us, colon. So why is this mattering? Why is this seeking after the Lord mattering? What's going on? Here's why. Watch. Why, are we, why would we seek him? This is why. Verse 28. For in him, everybody say in him. Say it again. In him. Watch. In Him we live, in Him we move, and in Him we have our being. In Him we live, we move, we have our being. Watch. You ever heard this statement? Man, they need to get a life. Maybe you've said that before. Maybe you've sat alone by yourself at times and thought, what is my life? I need a life. Is this my life? Is this my lot? And is, is maybe there's some of you here today. You, you think about where you are right now and you're going, man, is, is, this, is this all my life is? In him we live. That literally means to live, to be among the living, to be alive, not lifeless or dead. The only way to truly have life is to be in Christ. Now I want you to notice this distinction here. We know 
Because here's, here's the battle that we have sometimes. If I'm filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which we know is Christ in us, the hope of glory, that's what Paul said. If Christ is in me through the infilling of the Holy Ghost, how come I don't feel all these things? Notice, because he didn't say, for if Christ is in us, we live and move and have our being. See, Christ in us is only part of the equation. It's possible to be... Some of you aren't going to like this. It's possible to be filled with the Holy Ghost, but not be in Him. It's possible to be filled with the Holy Ghost, but yet be wholly given to idols. You're saying, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. How's that possible? Well, in John's letters that he was writing, he wrote them to the church. These were people that were filled with the Holy Ghost. But he told them to keep yourselves from idols. Well, here's the difference. I can be filled with the Spirit, but not be led by the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit, but then doing my own thing. Filled with the Spirit, but living life the way I want to live it, rather than letting the Spirit of God direct my life daily. And so filled with the Spirit, but not walking in the Spirit. This is why Paul said in Romans chapter 8, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He didn't say as many as are filled with the Spirit of God. He said as many as are led by the Spirit of God. And so this is why someone can be filled with the Holy Ghost, but still not have life and being and act. Well, let's read. What's move? To move. In Him we live and we move and we have our being. Move is to be moved of that motion that is evidence of life. You ever met somebody? And you're like, okay, they're not dead, because clearly they're moving. But you're like, I don't know, it's just like they're just going through motions. You ever feel that? You don't, don't raise your hand. You ever feel that way? Like, I felt that way in my walk with God at times. How do I, how do I feel like I'm just going through motions? Now, there's something to be said for sometimes you just got to get up again and you got to do the next thing that God gives you to do and have faith and walking by faith. There are seasons that way. But a life lived in him, in him, there's movement that's evidence of life. That's what that word means to move. When I'm in him, there's movement, there's action that's evidence of the life that comes from being in him. In Him. Everybody say that again. In Him. We live, we move, watch, and we have our being. Remember what we read in verse 16? They were wholly given to idols. Their being was full of idols. They were deriving their being from all of the things they could take in. Rather than deriving their being from abiding in Him. You know where some people get their being from? 
You've, you've heard this. There are, they exist in our world today. When I was a kid, this was not a word. This is a word now. You've all heard it. We now have what's called foodies. Have you ever heard of a foodie? Yeah. We got foodies among us. So I, I don't think that's a bad thing in and of itself, right? I like trying new restaurants and new foods. I like that. But foodies wasn't a word when I was a kid. So, and I'm not that old. Okay? But it wasn't a word when I was a kid. But now there are foodies. Okay? And what is it? Well, Paul wrote about people whose gods were their bellies. And so, what it, it's that same... You understand all of these things are trying to satisfy somebody's... They're trying to satisfy themselves. Well, maybe I'll try something new. Let me try something new. Let me try this thing. Let me try that thing. Let me see this. What's the latest news? What's the latest fad? What's the latest... What's the latest... There's a new restaurant. I like new restaurants. I go visit them. Right? But ever looking new, 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 new. Why, why is it that Starbucks comes out with new drinks and, and McDonald's comes out with new sandwiches and restaurants have... Why? Because they know people always need something new to be satisfied. In their flesh. In him. In him. Somebody hear me today. I know this is simple. But the source of life. The source of living. The source of action that proves there's life. The source of being comes from being in him. Nothing else will fully satisfy in Him, we live, we move, we have our being. That word being there means more than just to be. It's to exist. Our existence or our purpose for existing comes in Him. Do you want to find out why in the world you're walking on the face of the earth? You ever ask that question? I ask that question. Lord, what am I here for? How in the world did I end up, a boy from Arkansas, how did I end up in the middle of Yakima, Washington of all places? What in the world? There must, why? Why? Here's why. I believe my purpose that God has ordained for me has placed me in this area. I didn't put myself here. God ordered steps and he did the same for everyone. You might think, oh no, I'm, I'm just here, but I'm looking for the first train out. No, no, no. I'm telling you. And some of you, ooh, I felt that. Some of you are thinking that way. All right. But. Watch. In him. We, we got to get this. In him. In Christ alone. We live. In Christ alone we move. We do any action that proves we're living. In Christ alone we have our being. Our purpose for existing. My purpose for existing is not to become a multimillionaire. I'm okay if God wants to do that, but that's not my purpose for existing. That's not my pursuit. That's not my passion. My purpose for existing. I, I never saw my purpose for existing as fulfilling this role that I'm filling in a financial organization. But God has some purpose in it. So I'm simply seeking to find and walk in His purpose. Our purpose for being comes from abiding in Him. This is why Jesus said in John 15, 
if you'll abide in me. He didn't say if I abide in you. He said if you will abide in me where you live, where you dwell. That's not so much a physical thing as it is a mental, emotional, and spiritual thing. Where is your time spent in thought, in energy, in effort? If you abide in me, Jesus said, and my words abide in you, then you will ask what you will, and it shall be done. In him we live, move, and have our being. Our purpose for some of you are looking to go, you're looking to understand, what in the world? I'll tell you what's going on in your life. You don't know why you exist. And you've asked questions like, is this all life is? There's some here that because you've thought this is all life is, you've contemplated suicide along the journey because you've thought this life isn't worth living anyway if this is all there is. Somebody, please hear me right now. I know where I am in the Holy Ghost. In him, you'll find your purpose. You do matter to God. He knows who you are. He knows you by name. He's numbered the very hairs on your head. But the only way you'll ever find a purpose for existing truly is in him. The only way you'll ever find life worth living is in him. Pray with me right now, please, before we go any further. Come on, talk to him. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, come on, the Lord's revealing himself to you. He's done it from the very outset of this service, reaching to a life, reaching to a heart, wanting to reveal himself, wanting us to understand in him, in him alone, in him, in him, all the other things are external all the other things let them fade away all the other things let them be cast aside lord in you i live i move i have my being my purpose for existing my purpose for breathing my purpose for waking today my purpose for coming and going it's in you and you alone help us understand as children of god in you we are designed to live and move and have our being in you alone Jesus, our purpose for existing. Thayer's Greek says this, Of all men, because the ground of their creation and continued existing is to be found in Him alone. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Watch. We've quoted this verse all the time. This is probably as far as we'll get today. I told you we wouldn't get through all this. You have to come back. I've got incomplete notes that 
Lord, been dealing with my heart, and so far I've got three pages, and they're not done, and we're still on page one, in case you wondered. Second Corinthians chapter five. Listen to what Paul is saying to the church. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Sorry, verse 14. Second Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. What does that mean? It means it's the love of Christ that's moving me. It's the love of Christ that's urging me. I'm not acting of my own human will and effort. The love of God has reached to me, and I can't just sit idle any longer. I, I can't just not respond. It's the love of God that's moving me. It's the love of God that's done this to me. I felt His love, and because His love is so pure and right and rich, I can't just ignore it and not respond to it. My actions have been motivated by the love of God. This is what Paul's saying. It's the love of God that constrains us. Why? Because we thus judge or we determine that if one, Christ, died for all, then we're all dead. What does that mean, all were dead? Paul is referencing the fact that because of our sin, the wages of sin is death. And because we've all sinned, we're all going to die for our sin. But one died for all, recognizing all were dead in their sin if he didn't do it. Does that make sense? That's what he's saying. So if one died for all, then we're all dead. Thank God the one died. That's the love of God. I, when I come to recognize the truth of the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ was God robed in flesh, not just an idea from a book, but the reality that some 2,000 years ago, God came born of a virgin, robed himself in flesh, and dwelt among us. The living God walked the face of the earth for 33 and a half years. He suffered, was beaten, was bruised, was nailed to a cross, shed his blood for you and me so I would not die in my sin and spend eternity in hell if I'd respond to him. When I understand the truth of that, that's not just an idea, but it's the truth that this took place. And if you don't believe it, look at your calendar. Our calendar is divided by the fact that Jesus walked the earth. B.C., before Christ, Anno Domini, the day of our Lord. You can deny He was God, but you can't deny He walked on the earth. You can deny all the other, but you can't, you can't write the date and deny that Jesus Christ existed impossible and you can't deny history either but watch when we understand that this God wrapped in flesh laid down his life for us greater love hath no man than this that a man would lay down his life for a friend it's that love of God that constrains me when I get the revelation Because he couldn't find an intercessor, his arm sent salvation. That God left his throne in glory, robed himself in flesh, and dwelt among us, and then willingly laid. He humbled himself, Philippians 3, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. When I get a glimpse of that love, it constrains me. 
That's what Paul is saying. And that he died for all. Why? That they which live should not henceforth live to themselves, but unto him which died for them. I'm not living for myself any longer. I'm living for the one who died so that I could live. Here's another word that wasn't a word when I was a kid. I think it's sort of passing from popularity now. It's probably a few years in the past. YOLO. For those of you that don't know what YOLO is, because there might be one or two. There, I know there's a risk that there's one or two in the room, and I'm not all that cool, but I do know what it means. <laughs> YOLO, you only live once. That was sort of the thing. And the idea behind that, people were doing all these crazy and extreme things, or, or they were justifying why they were doing what they were doing, because you only live once. Do it. Well, I agree, you do only live once in this world. But you and I are going to live for eternity somewhere. One of the key factors in where I'm going to live for eternity is who I live for in this life. There are many living Unto themselves. But when I understand and believe that he died for me, I stop living for myself and I begin living for the one who died for me. That's what Paul said. He died for all that they which live should no longer, not henceforth, that's King James English. The only time I say henceforth is when I'm reading the Bible. That they which live should no longer live unto themselves or just for themselves. But should live to him which died for them. And rose again. If he hadn't rose again, there's no point. But he did. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's finish for today. Verse 16. Wherefore, henceforth, I said it twice. Know ye no man after the flesh? Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. He said we don't know him in the flesh anymore. Verse six or 17. Therefore, watch. We quote this verse all the time. Watch verse 17. Therefore, if any man be where? Where? In Christ. Notice it doesn't say if any man have Christ in him. He said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. Old things are passed away. Anybody interested in some old things just being passed away? Or anybody thankful some old things are passed away? Praise God. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. How is this possible? See, we would say... You get baptized in Jesus' name, all your sins are washed away. That's absolutely true. That's the word of God. The blood of Jesus is applied in the waters of baptism, and all your sins are washed away. And then you say you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and you're a new creature. 
that's not necessarily true. Because I can receive the Holy Ghost and still walk out and do the same stuff I used to do. Because I'll still be living for myself. That's why we started at verse number 14. We need to understand. When I receive the Holy Ghost, then I go, oh, you know what? I've now been filled with the Spirit of God. I'm not going to live for myself. I'm going to live for Him. I'm no longer going to live in the places of thought, action, attitude, lifestyle that I used to live in. Now I'm going to live in Christ. I'm going to abide in Christ, that which pleases Him, that which glorifies Him, that which does and serves His purpose. I'm going to live in Him. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. This is important to understand because the adversary will beat you up. You're like, man, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Why is it that? I'll tell you why it is. You're not living in him. You're not living in him. We must live and abide in him. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now watch. Stand with me, please. Remember, they were wholly given to idols. Their whole being was full of idols. Their being, their existence was fed and fueled by all the idols. They... Paul said to them, in him, we live and we move and we have our being, our purpose for existing. Now watch. If any man be... Being, it could literally read this way without changing the context at all. If any man's being is in Christ, he's a new creation. I have a question. Where do you get your being from? What is your, what fuels your purpose for living? I've watched, this just came to me. I've watched marriages through my lifetime, 50 plus years. I've watched marriages where these couple has had children. And their marriage's purpose for being became those children. Anybody ever seen that? They gave themselves to those children. Their whole being as, as husband and wife became about those children. We see it in our world today. People running like crazy, buying RVs just to go to sports games for their kids. Plugging their kids. I'm not saying there's something wrong with that necessarily. But their whole being is, I'm going to make my kid the best athlete. I'm going to get my kid. Like, I hate to break it to you, but only one out of so many thousand kids are ever going to make it pro, and it's probably not yours. But anyway, sometimes we just need reality. But anyway... Back, back to it. And, and so what happens is, here's what I've seen happen. Those kids will grow up. Thank God somebody said this to me when I was young before I got married, and it just registered in my spirit. Those kids will grow up, and I'm living proof what will happen. Those kids will move out. Or they should at some point in life. <laughs> okay? At some point, there's, at some point in life. We moved our final kid out this week. This last week. (laughs) 
But then all of a sudden, husband and wife look at each other and they don't know who each other is anymore. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. Their whole being was wrapped up in their kids. And they forgot their purpose for being before being father and mother was being husband and wife. Had to be father and mother. I told my kids along the journey, listen clearly. This is what I told my kids. You can listen clearly too, but (laughs) this is what I told my kids. She was my wife before she was your mother. And she will be my wife when you move on and make your own place. You will never come between us. Because I'm more important to her than you are. (laughs) I'm not telling them they're not important. You understand. I wasn't being unkind to my kids or sarcastic with my kids. What was I doing? I was helping them understand order in our home. And in relationships. Why do I share that example today? Because what happens is we come to relationship with God. We get baptized in his name. He fills us with his spirit. And initially, it's like this love affair with God. But then we become more interested in the benefits of God than we are in him alone. What can he do for my life? What can he add to my life? What can he... You know, could he fix this? Could he change that? Could he give me that? Could he do this? Could he? And we lose sight of just knowing him, abiding in him, living in him, being in him, in relationship with him. In him, we have our being. Your existence and mine.